This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. You know, we do Wellness Wednesday every Wednesday on The Karen Hunter Show, and uh, I am having a procedure that I'm, I didn't talk to you guys about because, quite frankly, I didn't want that energy to be out into the universe. But I thought it was important. If you remember several months ago, we interviewed a Dr. Singh who, uh, after the show, talked about his knee surgery and he recommended a doctor that he said was the best in the business. So I did my homework and my research. And from everything that I've read, this man is the best orthopedic surgeon in the world. I'm, I'm doing that. I'm doing that. You're going to have to accept it. Let me welcome to the show, Dr. Gil Scuderi. Welcome. Thanks, Karen. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. Um, orthopedics and, and knee replacements in particular, because that's what I'm doing. I'm doing a bilateral knee replacement. Uh, how prevalent is that? And over the last couple of decades, how has that procedure changed? Oh, it's, you know, osteoarthritis of the knee and individuals needing total knee replacement is a very common procedure. It's continually growing. You know, we're probably doing in the United States almost a million total knees uh, a year. Um, so it's a very, very, very common procedure. You know, the baby boomers come of age, the knees wear out. You know, they've had some prior procedures or injuries. And they end up seeing us in the office for that painful knee. Is it is it our lifestyle? Um, we're talking again with Dr. Scuderi. He is with Northwell Health. Uh, is it our lifestyle? Because my grandparents, you know, and they worked hard. Some of them were farmers. Some of them, you know, my, my grandfather worked like three or four jobs. I, I know they had aches and pains. I don't remember them ever having knee replacements or, you know, hip replacements. Well, you know, you know, part of it is, you know, lifestyle and injury. Part of it's a genetic predisposition, you know, and I would venture to say that even some of the, you know, our grandparents had osteoarthritic knees, you know, severe arthritis in their knees. Um, but, you know, back in the 60s, 70s, not as prevalent as it is now in, uh, you know, 2021, you know, total knees really you know, became a modern procedure in the uh, late 70s and early 80s. And now it's a very, very common procedure. When did you get uh, the Jones to, <laughs> to to cut open people's bodies and replace their joints? Like when when did that when did that happen for you? Yeah, so I uh, I've been in the business, uh, as they say, for uh, over three decades. So uh, I did my training back at special surgery and did my fellowship with John Insel, one of the pioneers of joint placement back in the late 70s. And over the years, you have been very influential in, uh, you know, knee design, development and, uh, and knee surgery. And my major focus is uh, total knee replacement as well as revision surgery for those unfortunate patients who've had, you know, uh, their implant done years ago. And, you know, they've gone through uh, wear and tear and need that to be revised. What attracted you to this? This, I mean, you could, you, you know, becoming a doctor is one thing, you know, but this specialty, what was it about this for you, Dr. Scuderi, that made, made you go? Well, you know, when I went to medical school, I always felt I wanted to be a surgeon. I was attracted to orthopedics because uh, a lot of the surgery was uh, fun to do. We got lots of tools, you know, and uh, as they always say, based upon the fact that my grandfather was a carpenter, it influenced me in, in that direction, like into build things. Um, and then with some of my uh, mentors, you know, the knee became the joint that I found the most interested in. 
And, you know, I do everything around the knee joint, you know, as well as, you know, arthroscopic procedures, ligament reconstructions. But as I mentioned earlier, predominantly now, you know, total knee replacement. Um, and I find it uh, to be exciting. I mean, these are patients, especially the osteoarthritic patients, uh, you know, that have, you know, pain and disability. And I can restore the quality of their life because they're so disabled by it. And it just it just makes me happy to do that. I'm going to get to the quality of life because that's, that's, you know, uh, I had my first knee surgery at 18. Um, I tore my anterior cruciate. They removed it completely. Uh, several years later, I had surgery on the other knee because, you know, when there's weakness on one, you're going to have weakness on the other. And I f- thought I could just work through it if I just went to the gym and lifted hard enough and, you know, worked out enough. Uh, but that became, you know, you know, over time it just deteriorated. I remember a doctor looking at my x-rays and saying that I had the knees of a 60 year old and I was in my thirties and that was, uh, you know, but I was like, I don't feel like it. I can still do things. When do you know that a person needs to replace the joint? And what is that process? Because in my mind it's like, how do you replace a whole knee joint? That's a big joint. How do you replace it? Yeah. There's so many things to that answer, Karen. You know, the first I'll address it, you know, when it comes, when do you need to, you know, have a replacement? When do you need, you know, you know, you need it. I always say it's a quality of life issue. You and I talked about that in the office. When the knee starts to interfere with the things that you're doing and that you've tried everything else. You mentioned the fact that you had, you know, prior surgery on your knee. It was an arthroscopic procedure. You know, they cleaned out the joint. They removed the torn ACL, you know, but over time, you know, the knee probably became a little unstable. You develop, you know, further arthritic changes and you try everything you can to avoid surgery. Nobody wants to go under the knife, right? So we try, you know, medications, therapy, you know, weight loss, injections. But when the knee is interfering with your daily activities, when you feel you can't do the things that you want to do, you don't want to get out of bed in the morning because my knees hurt and everything you tried failed, you know, that's when you go for, for a replacement. So how, so is it the whole joint, you, you open yeah. the knee. I, I've, I've been, um, I almost want to go online to see what that looks like. And then a part of me does not want to see what that looks like. Um, yeah. how, how are you able to do both at the same time? Cause that, you know, I was in, in one of these pre pre-op, you know, with the nurse and there was a woman in the, in the class, we have to take a class before you get the surgery. And she was in her seventies and we were talking and I was like, I'm doing bilateral. And she was like, well, I need both of mine done. Why? I was like, I don't know why you're not getting yours both done at the same time. But what, when do you make that decision uh, to replace both knees versus one if they're both pretty bad? Yeah. So, you know, a, a couple of things, you know, so one, it really depends upon, you know, the patient, you know, it's got to be a younger, healthier patient, you know, really doesn't have any major medical problems. I need a well-motivated patient whose both knees are bothering them. And that um, based upon that and they meet the criteria, you know, we would do them, you know, at the same time. But you know what? We don't do them. Both knees are not open at the same time. We do one. We, we check how well you're doing. The anesthesia is fine. Your blood pressure is good. Your heart rate's good. And then we go do the other one. So they're sequential. So one's done. We make sure you're okay. And then we go do the other one. And that brings, you know, that procedure, you know, to conclusion. Um, you know, many patients think that we're taking out your whole knee joint. Realistically, you know, total knee replacements are resurfacing. We put an implant in that's metal and plastic. We basically sculpture the end of the bone. 
and we put a cap on the femur, your thigh bone, a cap on the tibia, your shin bone. There's a piece of plastic in the middle that becomes, you know, as the patients call it, their new cartilage, you know, but that becomes their joint. We don't take out the whole knee. We're only removing about a half an inch of bone on both sides to put that implant in. So with precision and, you know, technique, we get the knee well aligned and, and good motion and good mobility, you know, back to the knee joint. And we know it's a successful operation. But to your point about doing them both at the same time, that's not for everyone. There are many patients who are a bit older, who have medical, you know, comorbidities, some other medical issues. They may have a little cardiac disease. They may have some breathing problems. They may have had a, a blood clot in the past. You know, those we would do one at a time. We do one, let them recover, and then bring them back another day, you know, a couple of few months later to do the second one if they're so inclined. How, how has COVID uh, in this pandemic shifted how you do what you do? Yeah, I mean, COVID impacted us, you know, in the uh, New York downstate area, you know, last year pretty significantly. I mean, we did, you know, shut down for a few months. And then over the summer of last year, we started to ramp up. You know, at this point, we're always we're always concerned. You know, all our staff are vaccinated. I can tell you Northwell Health, 100 percent, you know, vaccinated. We check all our patients you know, for COVID testing, you know that that's coming that's up right. for you. Um, and, and we follow all the uh, the guidelines and precautions. We want to make sure that it, it's safe. If we didn't think it was safe, we wouldn't be, you know, proceeding, you know, with any, you know, elective surgery at this point in time. The the biggest thing, you know, as I, as I process this, you know, we have every kind of doctor we've had on uh, the last couple of years, every Wednesday we, we do this uh, because it's important and people need to know things. You know, if someone's considering and you do other things other than these, but um, this is what I'm I'm getting right. Um, what again? Quality of life, yes. Um, who should not get knee replacement? Well, you know, it's you know, it's a patient who one really doesn't have arthritis. Just because you have knee pain, you know, it doesn't mean that you have an arthritic knee. There are other conditions around the knee joint, you know, that may you know, warrant uh, other treatments. It could be a torn meniscus or a torn cartilage. It could be, you know, simple irritation behind the kneecap. A very common condition is chondromalacia. You know, you know, what's happened, you know, too, with COVID, there's been a lot of deconditioning and a lot of people I see in the office, uh, you know, do have knee pain, but it's a matter of just getting reconditioned, getting them on an exercise program, you know, get some stretching, flexibility, you know, weight loss. Now that, you know, the COVID-15 that everybody talks about, you know, like the freshman 15, you know, we put some weight on, you know, try to, you know, get yourself back into shape, you know, and, but, you know, that's, you know, looking at other diagnoses. There are patients though that do have severe, you know, arthritis, you know, that I do see that may not be indicated for surgery at this time because their medical conditions have not been optimized. You know, it's really important that you are prepared for surgery, that if you have a cardiac condition, a pulmonary condition, that you see your cardiologist, your pulmonologist, your primary care physician to make sure that you're physically prepared for the surgery. So unless you're optimized, you may not be a candidate for surgery. Let me let me tell uh, folk the process. Uh, I remember having surgery at 18. I didn't have to have a chest X-ray. I didn't have to have a, SAR, uh, a test for um, 
not just COVID-19, but um, what, what was the, the other one? I was like, I just got another jab up my nose for something that the infections that, that could happen. Uh, right. Got a wash with a special soap for three days to make sure. I'm like, you are going through all of the things to make sure people have a good outcome. I remember doing none of this you know, yeah, no, 30 years ago. So yeah, what, no, it, it, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No, I mean, it's definitely changed over the last 30 years. I mean, there's things that I do now. They're nowhere near what we did before. I mean, we're paying more attention to details, as they always say. You know, the nasal swab, we want to see if you are a carrier for staff. If you are, you know, we give you special treatments. We use different antibiotics, you know, prior to surgery. We want to do everything we can, not only to optimize you for surgery, but create a very safe environment for you that we do everything possible to get the best outcome, you know, possible for each and every patient. Recovery. Um, I, I'll admit that is the the scariest part of this for me is how in the hell am I going to be able to go to the bathroom, going up and down, I got a bunch of stairs uh, after having not one, but two knees replaced. How am I going to get back to walking? Like, I, I can't even imagine that. Well, you know, we do have, as you know, a rapid recovery program. We do get you up, you know, right away. That same day that you're having surgery that afternoon, we're having you up with the physical therapist. We have a very dedicated, skilled team of therapists that are going to work with you. The nurses will help you. But it's important that you are well motivated to follow our instructions. And we'll have you, you know, try to go up and down stairs that very first day. And definitely by the second day, we want you up and about walking. It's all possible. You know, and with our, um, you know, recovery program, you'll do it. But you know what? It's also up to you. And I tell every patient, you're part of my team. While I have my physician's assistants, my fellows, my nurses all working with me, you're just as important as I am. I'll put the implant in. I'll do my best to make sure it's put in properly. But you're the one who's got to move it. You're the one who's got to use it. And you got to show me, you know, how motivated you are that you want the best outcome possible. And so at that he, point, it turned, we turn it over to you working with your therapist. Dr. Scuderi is here. Uh, he is an orthopedic surgeon, one of the best in the world. Um, is the movement, is, is the working, the, the, the rehab, does that work best? You know, because I'm imagining this, this, this thing is these two plastic, as you mentioned, plastic and metal in my body now, foreign objects. Uh, the more I use them, the better they will perform. Is that how that works? Yeah, I mean, the more active you are and, you know, obviously in the first, uh, you know, few weeks, we give you, you know, the appropriate, you know, pain medication to help you with that. We have a, a very multimodal approach between Tylenol, anti-inflammatory medications, you know, whatever analgesics you may need. But it's important that you move them. This type of procedure is not where you go sit in bed for a couple of weeks and you get up and you're walking. You know, this is where we want you up right away. We wow. want you moving. We want you walking. Use those muscles. It's all about active movement. You know, it's like the old commercial, the body in motion stays in motion following surgery. It's most important is mobility. Okay. I love that. I appreciate you for that. Um, at, you've 30 years, you've been doing this craziest thing you've seen in your 30 years. <laughs> there's so many, uh, so many crazy things that I've, uh, you know, I've, I've experienced over the years, you know, you know, the most, the most important thing is that, um, 
having seen a lot of different uh, patients, you know, come from different walks of life, you know, and different cultures, uh, they're all very, very different. And I really try to address everyone with a very personalized approach. You know, you really have to get to know your patients as you and I have getting to know each other, you know, a, a bit more and more um, and understand what their needs are and, you know, what their cultural needs are. There are there are differences in patients and you really have to have a very much personalized approach with each one. I love that. Uh, feel free when you're in there to take the fat out too. Like, you know, yeah. you just see, you just see some <laughs> you know, extra so fat just... You're not the only one. So I've got patients ask me, can we can we do that at the same time? I said, unfortunately not. But we'll we'll do our best to make sure you got nice, pretty knees. All right. I appreciate that. Um, and keloid, speaking of culture, um, people with melanin, some of us keloid. I, I know I keloid. Um, the, and that it's all about the pressure and the, and the proper suture. Are you experienced in this area, Dr. Scuderi? Yeah. So, you know. You know, we do see certain patients, and again, again, that's a genetic predisposition. You know, that's the biology in your body on how you form keloids. It's very hard for us, you know, to change that biology. We do our very best to give you, you know, a good wound closure to try to avoid that. Um, But even despite what we do, patients still form keloids. Um, We try different um, ointments and creams to try to reduce that. Um, But some patients, you know, have a predisposition for keloids and most of them know it um still may develop some keloids but we'll do our we always do our best to try to do everything in our surgical techniques to reduce that incidence i'm gonna pray about that um and finally you know again you are well-renowned what makes in this era there's a lot of distrust um uh, among people today with the medical field doctors you know are not the venerable trusted figures that they once were um, how, how do you navigate that and what makes you so good? I know you do have an attention to detail and I know you have a great reputation. Um, but what's that commitment that you put in every day and how can you inspire other people who may want to do this uh, to be great? Yeah, you know, Karen, I, I think you saw that, you know, in the office, you know, you know, sit, communicate with the patients, take your time, don't rush through it. And if you remember, what was the last thing I said to in the office? Do you have any questions? I always want to make sure, you know, when you leave my office, you've gotten the time and attention, you know, that you need, that you understand what your condition is, what the procedure will be, and that all your questions were answered. And I always say, if you forget to ask me a question, call me. So I think the important thing is, you know, show compassion for the patients because they're coming to you with a problem. They're not coming to you because they're, you know, healthy and say, listen, I have a healthy knee. Is that okay? No, they're usually coming in and say, you know, my knee hurts and how am I, how are you going to treat me? What's wrong with me? So show compassion for them, especially those who've had chronic pain, but communicate with them, and, you know, and treat everybody, as I mentioned earlier, in a very personalized way. Well, let me tell you, uh, Doris and your team, uh, and I've been to a lot of doctors because of you recently, uh, the best, your staff is not just, you know, I know you're going to do a great job in the operating room, but everything leading up to it, the follow-up, the just being, like you said, available, the calling me more than I, than I even imagine. Uh, it is different. People aren't doing it the way you're doing it, Dr. Scuderi. And I wish more doctors would put more energy into the support staff because that reflects you everything about you. Um, so they are excellent. Doris, shout out to her. Uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing what, what's on the other side of this. Ooh, I'm nervous. 
That's normal. I can tell you that. It's absolutely normal to be a little nervous, but we're here for you. I appreciate all the great comments, you know, regarding my staff. I'm proud of them. You know, Doris has been with me for 25 years. Uh, she knows wow. my practice well. Um, and, you know, we're looking forward to taking great care of you. I can't wait. And we'll and get it- you through the other side. You know, we'll mentor you and counsel you and uh, get you through your rehab and up on two brand new knees. And look, thank you for coming in today because I know you're super busy. And if people uh, want to have you work on them, uh, we have audience, you know, people from California. To, I mean, the folk from all over the country. I'm imagining you're, you're specific to New York, but people can fly in if they want want you to uh, replace their knees. Where do they reach you? The, the best way is reach me uh, through my office. Um, they could always call and ask for Doris, as you uh, highlighted her as my main contact person. Um, if you want the telephone number for the office, it's uh, 212-434-4310. And we'll tweet out all the information about Northwell Health as well. Uh, let me say thank you for the time that you gave us today. And I look forward to being under your knife, sir. I look I'll forward to it. I'll see you next week. Yes, sir. All right, sir. Karen. Thank you, Dr. Right. Scuderi. Take all care. Right. It's the Karen Hunter Show. We'll be right back. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much for doing this. This is going to be great. Um, yeah, it was great, Karen. I'll see you on Tuesday. Look forward to it. All righty. Have a great All weekend. All right. Be well. Enjoy the weekend. All right. Bye-bye.